And welcome on in to another edition of the Going Overtime Wrestling Podcast here on InsideSTL.com. I am Joe Roderick alongside John Marisak. Good evening, John. Hi, Joe. What's happening? Well, uh, John, this might be our final Going Overtime Wrestling Podcast. I feel like we should give fair warning of, uh, of this. As I made the announcement last week that my show on 590 is no longer continuing. And as I wait uh, to announce the next step in my career, I, I got to say I'm not entirely sure if, A, we are allowed to continue doing this, or B, if I will actually be able to uh, conti- uh, time-wise to continue doing this. So I don't know where we stand or in what we will be doing a week from now. Right, so it's a good time to uh, to pause and to go on hiatus, even though there are lots of things going on and we'd love to do it. There are more important things that need to be taken care of before we do anything else. Yeah, I, you know, and, and part of it, I, I think that last week, you know, the uh, this might be a good week for it because there are still, I mean, believe it or not, John, it is. I mean, by the time people are listening to this, it will be September first. There is not a pay per view coming up for three weeks and we've already gone one week without a pay-per-view so that's a long time in the wwe's world these days yeah it's every other week is when we have pay-per-views we don't have weeks go by especially after a big one because there's always a lull before one of the major ones happens but to have a long nothing which they need for no mercy for what they're doing and they're going to make the thing bigger than SummerSlam. As big as a WrestleMania, it seems. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to need as much time as they can because it's almost like, uh, well, these, uh, well, uh, let's just do these, and we're going to cram in six months in about four weeks. Yeah, I mean, the the card is shaping up to be rather massive. And just to start off, before, well, first off, I do want to mention before we get into the card, before we get into everything that's going on, Raw kicks off. From Memphis. We already knew it was going to be in Memphis. They made a point to actually mention Memphis a few times last week, uh, especially during the Alexa Bliss promo when she was getting her rematch. They, they had mentioned quite a bit that they were going to Memphis, which stuck out to me as much as mentioning Randy Orton's being from St. Louis. <laughs> you know who's from Memphis? <laughs> that would be one, Jerry, the King Lawler. <clears throat> but I don't think at the time they had any plans for Jerry the King no. Lawler to have a huge impact. I imagined that they were going to use him for the cheap pop, but due to Hurricane Harvey down in the Houston area, Booker T was either stuck there or decided to stay there with his family and did not make the trip from Houston to Memphis. So I thought it was a really, really good time for the WWE to dust off Jerry the King Lawler and have him join Corey Graves and Michael Cole on commentary. So I, I do think that that was a good move by the WWE. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime they go to Memphis, Jerry Lawler should be part of the show, whether yeah. he's on camera or not on camera. He should be in the arena. I mean, that's there are a lot of there have been a lot of great uh, ambassadors in that business, but is there a is there any performer more associated with a place than he is with Memphis, Tennessee? <laughs> you just wait for Orton to retire every time they come through St. Louis. Yeah, but when Randy Orton walks down the streets in the city of St. Louis, they don't part. They don't. They don't part the sea. I mean, Jerry Lawler walks on water in that town. That's true. 
that there's is, it's yeah. totally different and and it's hard to because that that has become such a national it, the you know WWE is a national brand whereas Memphis you know Memphis wrestling is that's Jerry Lawler yeah. it starts and finishes with Jerry Lawler he still works down in Memphis wrestling so I can uh, remember, you you can't have that when you don't have territories you can't have this anymore I can remember I I had to have been I I probably was around 13 14 years old so it was when I was really big into wrestling because that would have been around 1998. My sister was on a traveling softball team and we had to go down to Tennessee for a tournament. And that was the first time that I had ever been to Memphis, through Memphis, Tennessee. I, I can't remember what town we were going through, if it was maybe Murfreesboro, Tennessee, if that, if you have to go through Memphis to get there, I, I, I don't feel like doing the geography on, on a story just to get to this point. But I remember going through Memphis and seeing that, again, this is at a time when I'm 13, when wrestling is like the biggest thing in the world, pulling the numbers that it was pulling back in 98. And Jerry Lawler being as big of a part of it as he was during the Attitude Era, seeing like him on billboards for stuff, just... Jerry Lawler promoting fireworks. Jerry Lawler promoting liquor. And it was just Jerry Lawler this, Jerry Lawler that, all throughout Memphis. It was, it, I just, I remember that from the first time that I went to Memphis. I can't recall the two, maybe three times I've been to Memphis since actually noticing that. That's cool. Yeah. It so, is really cool that you saw that and that it exists. I mean, that's, right. Jerry Lawler is a big, big deal. In that town. And Randy Orton is a superstar. Yeah. But thought, Randy Orton doesn't own St. Louis. And for the fact that Jerry Lawler probably wasn't expecting to be on commentary and the fact that he hasn't been on commentary in a very long time, I thought that they did a good job of handling the situation and making it work for him. They, they really didn't overexpose Jerry Lawler. They'd go to him for commentary. They made it seem special for the night, and they really didn't make Jerry Lawler sound as bad as he was when they decided to pull him off commentary towards the end. No, it was all refreshing, too, because it was, it's not something, I mean, you get to a point, how many years was he on the road every single week, and so many of those years doing it twice a week, and he's been through a lot health-wise, and uh, he seemed like he had fun with it. And you know, when you go away for a little while and then they pop you in for three hours, it's a lot more fun to do that, knowing you can just go right home afterwards. You're not hopping in a car to go to the next city. Yeah, so that was uh, it was nice to have him there. He did appear in a segment with, uh, with Elias, which I don't know if we mentioned last week. He's just Elias now. They have dropped the last name. Yes. So just like with Cesaro and Neville... And I'm trying to think who else they have done this for, but he is now just Elias. Yeah, and that's fine. It, 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 was, it, was, it was more natural, though. He was Elias Sampson, the drifter, down in NXT. That's a lot to say. Yeah. He just gradually got rid of the drifter, and then they gradually got rid of Sampson. And it's, it's almost like it's, it's organically happened. At least it's, I'm sure it was planned, but it seems like it was organically just... Everybody calls him Elias. Let's just call him Elias. He will be. Uh, he'll be Eli in a few weeks. Just. Uh, just he will never be Eli. No, they, they'll, they'll, they'll have him be Eli. 
They'll, uh, it doesn't work. They'll keep uh, they'll keep knocking off letters from uh, from his name uh, until he's just known as like Big E, and then they'll, they'll have an issue. <laughs> It'll be Little E. <laughs> you know, he's as big as Big E. So Raw, I mean, the high points of Raw from this week, just to just to hit it off, it starts off with Miz in the ring, and it was nice to see that Bo Dallas decided to keep the jacket that had that made so much. Uh, that, that just it, it, that that really did it, it made so much of a uh, a story last week on social media just how great that jacket was, and he he kept it on for for week two. So bravo to Bo Dallas or whoever it was that told Bo to uh, keep that jacket around for another week or so. Gotta wear pants though. Well, he he had a match coming up. Well, he's got to wear pants. You can keep the jacket around. Have pants. Tear away pants are fine, but you got you can't wear the jacket and and undies. It looks ridiculous. That that did look a little silly, and we wouldn't find out till a little later that he actually had a match that evening, because Miz is in the ring talking about respect and how he's getting none of it, and Kurt Angle comes out, and Kurt Angle and Miz get after it and did a really good job. This is this is probably one of uh, Kurt Angle's. This is probably some of Kurt Angle's best work since he became the general manager of Raw, because I still get the feeling that he's not 100% comfortable in this role. Oh, God, no. It sounds like he's reading a script every time he comes out. Yeah, and I feel like when he worked with Miz here, it actually, I think for the first time, he might have felt like a like he was actually a wrestler cutting a promo in a ring. Yeah, it was, but that's what Miz does. And Miz doesn't... Miz does not work off a script. You're going to do something with Miz. You're going to work. You're not going to work off a script because if you do, you're going to get lost real fast. Yeah. Uh, so Angle uh, comes out and says that he's going to give him the opportunity to showcase the Intercontinental title the way it deserves, and he announces that Miz will defend his title next week on Raw against the winner of a Battle Royal. So already in the first segment here on Raw. You already have Kurt Angle come out. You already have The Miz with his Miztourage come out. And then, to start the Battle Royal, you get Big Show, which I'll, I'll get back to Big Show in a second. <laughs> the Hardys, Finn Balor, Jason Jordan, the Good Brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, Kalisto, uh, Kurt Hawkins, I, Elias is out there. So I pretty much... I. I want to say, I would say 60% of the roster, if not more, you're already putting out there. Gold Dust was out there. R-Truth was out there. Apollo Crews was out there. Uh, you're putting almost your entire roster out there in the first opening segment for a battle royal. Shoehorning. Yeah, and it did cause some of the guys to work double duty. By the way, Big Show, completely bald head, completely bald face, the beard he's been growing out for months. He uh, not only trimmed it, he cut the whole damn thing off. And he is as clean-shaven as can be. He looked like King Kong Bundy. Like a stronger, taller King Kong Bundy. Did nobody think of that when the move was made? No, because I wouldn't have thought of it. Until... When was the last time he had no facial hair? I, and you, you and I both have watched a lot more of 90s WCW than we probably care to admit over the last few months because of Tony Schiavone. Yeah, but see, I watched all of it the first time through, or most, much of it. I don't know if he always had the beard, but back in WCW, he always had the long hair. He had a beard. He came out with Did a beard and long beard? hair. 
because then when he came, I don't think he has ever gone, no beard, no, he's never gone with this look before. I mean, he always had the really, really long hair until he cut that off when he started going bald. Yeah, uh, and, but well, nobody said it either. Nobody acknowledged other than he was, had shaved. Nobody acknowledged it. Wow, he looks like King Kong Bundy. Somebody's going to do it in a promo at some point. It's going to be fantastic. I don't. I, I honestly think that he showed up, and everybody was probably like, "Oh, hey, you know what? Hey, you look a lot skinnier now without all that facial hair and your bald head. Man, Big Show, you sure look different." And probably nobody was thinking anything of it. And then he walked out of the locker room dressed in his attire. It's singlet. Probably like, "Crap, you look like King Kong Bundy." Uh, I thought it was great. I loved it. But yeah, I hope because there's really nothing the Big Show. I mean, has to do. He's there to put over younger talent. He's he's there to be the monster that if you could beat him up, then good for you. You know, it's going to get you over. He's going to be a fan favorite from now until the day he retires. At least he should be. I don't know what program you put him in to have somebody make fun of him looking like King Kong Bundy. Oh, you put him in with the Miz. Yeah, I, I guess that would work. But a 15-man battle royal, by the way, it, uh, it goes off. And in what I would say is a bit of a surprise, uh, Jeff Hardy ends up winning it after last eliminating uh, the final few in the ring. Uh, came down to Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas, Jason Jordan, and Jeff Hardy. Jason Jordan looked really, really bad in the ring here when he came out with, uh, when he was in the ring with three other veterans. Yeah, this isn't working. This is a problem. Which part of it isn't working? Him by himself. Look, when, when him and American Alpha became the IT tag team in NXT, he got the hot tag at the end, went in and did what he did. And this is one of the great things about NXT is they, they, and this is a, one of the comparisons with ECW that comes in. The guys in ECW were great in ECW and struggled in other places because Paul Heyman was very good at accentuating guys' strengths while hiding their weaknesses, many times doing so in post-production. NXT, you're able to do those same types of things. Showcase what's great, hide what's not. You have a small amount of time to fill. You don't need a guy to go out there and bust a 15-minute match in NXT, in NXT. In the WWE, you're in the main roster. You're kind of left to your own devices sometimes in that ring, and you're forced to do more than what you've done before. And I don't know if that's what it is, but he just he doesn't look comfortable in this new role as a singles guy because it is different. I mean, your 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 match, the way you lay out a match is is different when it's one on one versus having a tag team partner out there where you're only working for two and a half, three minutes possibly of a match. Everything's different. And that yet the last two times we've seen him, doesn't it look like he gets stuck in a couple spots? Like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do next. Yeah, he just, you know, it's moves that you know from watching him in tag team action, he knows how to do. But I, I wonder if it's just he's putting pressure on himself to be perfect, to be, yeah. you know, to be Kurt Angle like. And it's just not coming off well on TV. It's just struggles. And then it's him having to recover, which doesn't really look that good. So, you know, it's just, it's odd to see Jeff Hardy gets the win. 
I wonder what this is going to do to the Hardy boys. I can't imagine Vince putting Jeff Hardy on a singles path at this point, especially before the broken gimmick is debuted. Well, did they get the – how's that stand yet? I, that was I, the first I, thing I, I thought of. It was like, oh, did they win that case? Did they get that settled? I, I don't know. Yeah, I just I, – I have not seen any updates on it. I do not know what is going on with uh, – with the broken gimmick, but I really do think that this is possibly, you know Jeff Hardy's good in the ring as a single. You know he's a former Intercontinental Champion. Miz getting a win over Jeff Hardy is going to push Miz even higher than any of the other 14 guys in that ring last week. Fair, and Jeff Hardy can lose to the Miz and it doesn't hurt him. Right. And everybody else in there, you can make the argument with the exception of guys like Goldust and Big Show. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, those are the guys that are kind of, you know, it, it's no, it, it's, it's not going to harm them in any way. And it would be a shame if, uh, Finn Balor gets into a thing with the Miz and doesn't win the Intercontinental title or same being said for Elias. Yeah. It would, uh, uh it wouldn't, it doesn't, it would not be good. Bray Wyatt comes in at some point, the lights go out, Bray Wyatt's in the ring and he costs the, uh, opportunity to win, uh, for Finn Balor. I don't understand why. I don't care to really try to figure it out. It's just more bad booking of Bray Wyatt. It does, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And I don't know what they can do next. Like having the whole reason to have the SummerSlam thing was just so that Finn could come out in his demon gimmick. Mm-hmm. That was the whole story in the end. But it made no sense, but that's where they were trying to get. So, but, but now what? Yeah, I again, I'll look forward to Miz and Jeff Hardy next week. We'll see how that goes. Maybe we can, maybe, maybe you know, it'll at least put the Miz, Taraj, and the Hardy Boys in a program for a while and give them something to do to kill some time. But regardless, I, you know, I, I just I don't know what to say about, uh, about that. I should mention that this is the first time it seems like in a month that Brock Lesnar wasn't in the opening segment of Raw. Do you think Brock Lesnar was mad that he wasn't on a plane by 7.30? He texted me that, and I busted out laughing. That's fantastic. Very good observation. Brock's sitting around going, Jesus Christ, I thought I was only going to be in the first segment of the show. <laughs> What's going on here, guys? The show started, and I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, there's been a commercial. Why am I still back here? It's the most of Raw that uh, Brock I Brock's being... seen in months. I think Brock's being paid plenty, and he knows he's got a contract coming up. So, you know, in contract years, you're on your best behavior. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, that was also in the uh, in the evening. I'm I'm intrigued by by the fact that Enzo Amore did not make your Hulu cut this week. I did not. You told me. I said other than the promo, which is all I've heard people call it. Uh, other than the promo, is there anything I have to watch on Raw? And you said Enzo. Enzo was not on the Hulu version, unfortunately. What did I miss? Yeah, he he first, you know, he, he made fun of Big Cass for tearing his ACL last week, said it, it was karma. He had it come in for picking on him all this time. He bragged about winning money by betting on Floyd Mayweather, which I yeah. guess from what I've read is Enzo Amore uses things like a friendship with Floyd Mayweather that he talks about backstage and that kind of pisses other wrestlers off or annoys them and is one of the reasons why Enzo maybe is not in a tag team 
anymore, that they decided to just get him away from that because he was upsetting too many people. And Enzo is, I mean, so over as a face. And the only reason he probably still has a job is because of the merchandise sale he has. And he's out here cutting a heel promo, which seems like they're, you know, Vince is out there costing Enzo and himself money. Yeah, but do people not like Enzo? I mean, can't Enzo just do whatever he wants and people are going to love him? Because he's just outspoken, he's a small guy and he doesn't care? Yes. Yeah, because he's because he's small and doesn't care. And he's very entertaining. Guys who are very entertaining, it's a challenge to make them hateable, especially when they're little guys who have been just the crap beaten out of them. I mean, Big Cass never lost a match. Enzo loses every single match they've ever lost, I think. Yeah. At least on the main roster, Enzo has been pinned in every match that those two lost. And in NXT, it was the same the majority of the time. You want to talk about the uh, the end of Raw right now? I mean, that's aside that's the promo. Fine. This is the only yeah thing. the women. Yeah, the, can uh, Sasha the women. Banks hold the belt for more than like eight days? Uh, so that's the story they're telling here. Sasha Banks loses to Alexa Bliss. Uh, Alexa Bliss not uh, catches her with the uh, with the DDT and gets the one two three. Uh, Alexa Bliss wins. Sasha Banks has still not successfully defended. The, any women's title that she has held. And that's fine. And I understand that story. And that is that it, at some point it'll pay off. But and with, it'll be a this, big moment, okay. I guess. But, but, John, with this, though, with this storyline, when does it pay off? After she defends it once, is she able to celebrate? Or twice? Or three times? I mean, just winning the belt at... Let's say she wins it at No Mercy and she's able to successfully defend it the next night on Raw. Is that something we're celebrating or does it have to be a big event? Well, it has to be at a big event. Jesus, it better be at a big event. You're going to do this. Uh, but here's the other the, the, the one thing that bothers me. It devalues the damn thing. How many women, I did, and I should have looked this up, how many times has that belt changed hands since it debuted two years ago at this point? How many times has it changed hands? She's held it four times. They make a big deal about John Cena being a 16-time and Ric Flair being a 16-time. Sasha Banks, in in two years or a year and a half, has won the belt four times. It just devalues it. If everybody's going to get a turn, what does it mean? What is the big deal about it? Hey, you still have a long way to go. I mean, between four and sixteen is still a lot. Uh, you're... We've had, yeah, this is like in a year, right? But I... you can't, um, and it's not just her. Charlotte's had it multiple times. Bailey has had it. Uh, so Sasha's at four. Alexa's at two. Until Alexa's at two after uh, three months. Yeah, and it's that's a lot in a very very short amount of time. I mean, you know, the WWE Championship, and this I know it's different now and I, and I'm sure a lot of this is generational because when you grow up and you know Hulk Hogan has it for a long time Ric Flair would hold it for a long time the tag belts demolition held them for a long time until the new day broke their record um, things were different I get it but it made it special you know it always makes it special if you know it's you're getting a chance at something that, that nobody else is able to do. You beat so-and-so 
who has defended their belt for six months. Jinder Mahal, how long has he had the belt now? Six, seven months? The, uh, when Jinder loses, it's going to be a big deal at yeah. this point. The end of Raw comes, though, with Nia Jax coming down to ring. It looks like she wants to celebrate with Alexa Bliss. She attacks Sasha Bank in the corner and then uh, uh, drops, uh, drops Alexa Bliss with an electric chair after hoisting her up on her shoulders. I hate the electric chair name because every time I hear it, I just think of that duel of the butcher in the Chamber of Horrors. Okay. Well, have you never seen that match? I don't know. I have not. Oh, my God. How have you not? I feel like I'm a terrible friend. Just, uh, you can't tonight, I'm sure. But at some point tomorrow, uh, I don't remember which Halloween Havoc it is. But find that Halloween Havoc. Watch the Chamber of Horrors. One of the worst cage matches you will ever see. But the visual at the end when Abdullah the Butcher is electrocuted, and that's how you win the match, electrocuting your opponent. It is something you will never forget, and you also will think of that forever and ever. Anytime you hear the words "electric chair," nice. I, uh, I I should I have seen an electric cage match before when TNA brought uh, brought whatever the hell their cage match pay per view was called to uh, the St. Charles Family Arena. I have uh, I did get to see that. The Dudley Boys put gloves on before they climbed the cage because it was electrocuted. That's smart. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, Team 3D. They they weren't allowed to be the. That's right with Bully Ray. Yeah. So here's the promo. This is the big thing that happened on Raw. John Cena, Roman Reigns. It was announced before Raw that this match was happening at No Mercy in Los Angeles. They come down and now they have to sell the pay-per-view that they are going to be on as probably the uh, penultimate main event. You'd imagine that Brock and Strowman go last with Reigns and Cena going on before them. Uh, John I, Cena... I pity the match in between. True. They, they go back and forth, and Roman Reigns ends up calling Cena a fake bitch, a part-timing fake bitch. Cena comes back telling him that he keeps coming back because Roman Reigns can't do his job and be a top guy. Roman Reigns says that Cena's a backstabbing shark. He says that he buries younger talent. He uh, continues to talk about, you know, just they go back and forth. They continue to break the fourth wall. They continue to talk about everything that you see on message boards. John Cena is, you know, John Cena talks about where he, that the fact that he opened up SummerSlam, that he hasn't main evented WrestleMania in five years, that, you know, they, they go back and forth, back and forth with all, of these, with all of these comments to each other that we see online but never expected to hear on TV. And I think it really got Roman over, and it made you realize just how special John Cena is, is as a 40-year-old. It was... I'd be curious, and I don't know any of any just casual fans who don't know, you know, a lot of the back that behind the scenes stuff or just, you know, don't know any of it. I would love to know how much of it they understood or how confused they were at times on some of that stuff, because it was a lot of inside stuff. Yeah. And if talking, you I mean, if go- you're if you follow it, you got it. And it was like, oh, my God, they're talking about this stuff on television. And it was amazing. 
but with everybody else, I'd be really curious to know if they un- what they got, what they didn't get, and just how the message was conveyed. You know, was it? Did you look at Roman as weaker because of it? Um, did you look at John Cena as a bully because of it, or vice versa? For us, it was like, oh my god, it's like you're on a message board and on Twitter, and you're just reading tweets. At one point in in all of this, John Cena even talked about the U.S. title and how he used the U.S. title to start the U.S. title, the, the U.S. Open Challenge, to allow guys like AJ Styles and Kevin Owens to have a chance at winning the U.S. title, where Roman Reigns saw it as a demotion, then saying that he's there because Roman can't do his job. Cena also says that he's a better part-time wrestler than Roman Reigns is full-time. And the two of them just it, just continuing to go back and forth the way they did in the ring. It, it, yeah, as you said, it, it's just amazing what they were allowed to do, what they were allowed to say. And in the end, it gets you excited, I think, for their match. But I still don't think it feels like a big match because... A, it's a pay-per-view in September called No Mercy, and B, there's nothing on the line. Nothing on the line is the problem. There needs to be, for these two guys to be, I mean, these two guys could headline any pay-per-view in the world without a belt. But if you put a belt into this and you put it at the end of Summer, at the end of summer Slam or the Royal Rumble or Survivor Series or WrestleMania, let me tell you, John Cena and Roman Reigns headlining WrestleMania at this point would be a bigger deal than Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns headlining WrestleMania for the third time. And I have a terrible fear that that's what's going to happen again um, next year. But that, I mean, if you if you spent two months from the Royal Rumble onto WrestleMania of those two attacking the hell out of each other, it would be gold. It would be great. And I hate that we're going to get that and we're going to get the mess, the WrestleMania main event that I wanted at no mercy. Apparently, it's not necessarily the pay-per-view, Joe. Sometimes it's just the city in which the pay-per-view is in makes it a big pay-per-view, I guess. Yeah. This one's in L.A. and it's being treated like it's a mania. I mean, that's fine mania with a top two card like that. That's big. I mean, that's like the biggest guy in the company and the guy they want to be the biggest guy in the company. The two biggest badasses who, if they got into a physical shoot fight, would fill a building. I, yeah, I am excited to see this match. And for as much as, you know, as much as I put down Roman Reigns and John Cena, for as much as everyone on the internet does, find me Roman Reigns' worst pay-per-view match. Find me John Cena's worst pay-per-view match. Imagine what those two are going to do. You, you can't do it. You, you can't, especially in the it's last... It's been season. a long time yeah. for Roman and even longer for John. John, yeah. John doesn't have bad matches. Right. John's bad matches are other people's great matches. Yeah, the fact that these two put on... I mean, yeah, John Cena might cut the same promo over and over again and every few weeks comes out with a different colored shirt. Yeah, Roman Reigns is incredibly boring and unlikable as a character on TV... But again, when both those guys are in the ring, no matter who it's with, they put on great matches. 
And I wonder how often Roman Reigns has worked with Arn Anderson as far as putting a match together. We know that John Cena and Arn work together on every one of the, his big matches. I, I really just can't wait to see what these two are able to put together in what hopefully is a 15-minute-plus match. Yeah, it'll be longer. This one will be longer because the main event's not going to be long. That's it a good can't. Point. Yeah, that's a real good point. So, no, I would expect this one to be 15, 20 minutes, somewhere in there, and it's going to be physical because these two are going to pound the hell out of each other. And it's going to be – it'll be the match of the night. And if it's not, I'd be very, very surprised. I don't even care what's on the rest of the card. This match is going to be the match of the night. It's going to be one of the best matches that you've seen this year. And it's just because it has to be. And they both know it has to be. This is important for both of them. This whole thing is really important for Roman. But if they ever want to turn and we've said this multiple times, but again, you want to turn him heel, what he did and the way he acted in that ring that night, Monday night. And it, he's so damn good, Joe. Just looking, just his facials, his ability to look in the camera or look off to the side or look a guy in the eye with his smart alecky, smarmy, arrogant SOB. I'm better than you at everything. I don't know who you think you are attitude. He just oozes it. And unfortunately, it's like they just do everything to, to give you a taste of it and then pound him back into happy times. Oh, if he could just become, just be the badass that he's meant to be and he'll sell tickets like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It, again, it's, you know, it, they got, you know what, they're going to get three hours of my time coming up on, it was August 23rd. They'll, uh, they'll September twenty third. Yeah, September twenty third. Yeah, we got to take. Uh, we got a game at five thirty. We got a volleyball game at five thirty that night, and we got to take Riley to camp. So, uh, but if I, I look, usually on pay per views, I'll I'll catch up. No, I'm right there. Wherever it is, I'm picking up, and I'll deal with the rest of it later. Because honestly, God, I don't care about anything else but those two. Why are you? Why don't you watch on your phone? I'm at my daughter's volleyball game from 5.30 to 6.30, and then i got to take her to camp. We're not going that far. We're going like 45 minutes to there, 30 minutes to take her to camp. Camp camp for the week. School camp. So we move You'll on take to Huddy to camp at some point. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to taking him to school three days a week. <laughs> it's a nice little vacation. The best day is when the yellow tube comes to pick them up for school. That's a great day. Uh, you, you, you don't get those when, uh, at, the, at the time right now, it's, we're, we're paying for school. So, unfortunately, you don't get those oh. when, you, when you have to pay to send them to school. Oh, I pay in taxes. Yeah. Fortunately, with where we live, for the time being, we, uh, I think our better bet is to pay to send him to school. I understand. That's why we moved. Thanks to the uh, thanks to the wonderful district lines that Belleville decided to draw up. Ah, I understand. Mm -hmm. That's why we moved. Right. Yeah, you know what? And hey, good for them getting their funding. Uh, you know, another school's going to get our money. That's right. That's the uh, that's just the way it's going to work. Uh, so there you go. Uh, your assessment of Raw three hours. Um, a lot of you know, a nice surprise for Jerry the King Lawler and a promo that will not soon be forgotten. Uh, the promo makes it, and the main event was great, and The Miz started it. The Hulu version, Joe, was great. He had those three, and then the, the, uh, some stuff in the middle that, you know, time to go get something to drink or something to eat, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, there was a th it was, there were three great segments on the show, and that's all that it needed to be. I'm sure that the Enzo segment was good, but not good enough to make an hour and 25 minute version right? or hour and 30 version. My goodness. So on SmackDown, uh, the uh, you, you get your little Hulu version because it's only two hours. We, we get the regular. We get an hour and 20 minutes of programming, which is all it is. We, we get the whole show. We just don't get all the entrances, which is good. We start the night by finding out that the main event is going to be Jinder Mahal and Rusev, which I, I, that alone is a surprise because there were reports that Rusev and Lana asked for their release, which, if you know the inside wrestling, Vince McMahon will usually grant it. Verse Shinsuke Nakamura and Randy Orton. So you start off with Jinder Mahal in the ring. Shinsuke comes down, gets jumped by the Bollywood boys. Orton makes the save. Rusev jumps in to even things out. If that was how the first segment was going to go down, why announce the match? Uh, uh, oh, what? Why, announce the match before, you mean? Yes. Why not let this happen organically with your opening segment by having Jinder Mahal cut this promo and Shinsuke coming down and then Orton comes and helps Shinsuke out because he still hates the Bollywood boys and still hates Jinder so he's helping out a new wrestler who might not have any friends in the locker room and then Rusev comes down to jump Randy Orton who he's mad at for his 10 second match at SummerSlam and then say, hey, you know what? We're going to have a tag match later. This is going to be your main event. Why not do it that way? It seems like the whole first segment was very predictable because you had already announced what the main event was going to be. Yeah, you knew everybody was going to come out. Once one came out, then the other two were going to come out. Right. No, that's true. Well, in, in, at some point during the show, they announced next week's main event before the main event of this week's show ended. Which was odd that you're going to have two guys who are partners in the main event. Now they're going to be in next week's main event, and we're not going to give any reason why. Well, you know what? You also could have, you know, you also could have said in the back that Orton easily could have said, you know what? You know, talking when they were when they're going over strategy for their tag match, you could have easily had Orton say, you know what? Hey, he never beat me clean, and I won at SummerSlam. I want a shot at that title. Yeah, you might have, you know, dibs on it because you didn't lose clean, but you know what? Hey, how about you and I next week for, uh, for the right to face him? Hey, you should go work for them. These storylines aren't hard to come up with. Hey, I like your show better so far. Hey, I am unemployed at the moment, John, so I mean... <laughs> I just fire a resume up there with you, yours and the other two million trust me. people who think they could book better. Yeah. Trust me, the uh, WWE's corporate website has been uh, has received many many resumes and many applications from me over the years. I will. I would love to man that that inbox. I can't imagine that they open many of them. <laughs> like it's just there because it's a publicly traded company and yeah, it has to be there, I but just, no one looks at it. Right. I I just wonder how many you know of those jobs that you actually apply for, like they actually read. I mean, they know who they're hiring, right? I, you never know. You never ever ever know. I mean, I'm sure it's somebody's job but... to monitor that whole yeah. thing. So that's how it starts off in the main event. We'll uh, we can just jump to that. You uh, do get the uh, the faces going over. Shinsuke Nakamura and Randy Orton get the win. 
and afterwards Orton hits the RKO on Shinsuke Nakamura to uh, show him that, hey, you know what, we were friends tonight, but next week it's uh, one-on-one, buddy. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. It was, it was kind of like a whole nothing. Uh, did anything happen in the show with the exception of the Kevin Owens stuff? That's what I was going to get to, but first I was going to mention the U.S. Open Challenge that saw AJ Styles, that first saw Baron Corbin backstage say that he was going to go and uh, he, he was going to compete with AJ Styles. I wish they would have shown, I, I guess, a little backstage, maybe, and maybe they get here. Maybe they take us behind the curtain to show us how somebody goes from being back in the locker room to... I don't know if I don't know if you go to gorilla position or if you have to go somewhere else to tell them to play your music. I don't know how that works. <laughs> no, truly, I don't know how that. Like, at what point does Ty Dillinger, who does he go to to say, "I want to, I want to face him, play my music"? Uh, usually, um, whoever is in gorilla with the headset on. Okay. They've already told them beforehand. And said, hey, tonight, when AJ goes out, you just be standing right here. Okay. And then we'll hit your music and then you go. Then you know what? As they build to this AJ Styles, Baron Corbin feud, I want to see somebody go to uh, put Road Dog and Michael Cole there. You know, because Vince, they'll, they'll, they'll never, ever show Vince sitting in the gorilla position with a headset on. They'll never do it. So I believe that Michael Cole and Road Dog Jesse James are the are two of the backstage guys at SmackDown. Show them sitting there and show a wrestler going up and telling them that they want to do the U.S. Open Challenge and to play their music before Baron Corbin can get up there to do the same. I kind of like that idea. That's kind of cool. Dolph could do it next week. He could run up and be the guy that play my damn music. I don't know. The Zigman. I feel like they're they're going to have some sort of ridiculous entrance for Dolph. And it's got to be awesome. It, it, he should take everybody who he named <laughs> the promo this week and take a little piece of their entrance and do all of them. Well, it's two weeks. It would be tremendous. Oh, two weeks? I thought it was next week he was coming. Last week, he, he did the same thing. He talked about... You know, I could, I could be wearing glow-in-the-dark. I could do this. I could do that. So this is two weeks in a row that Dolph has, has done right. this. Yeah. yeah. When he does it, I think it'd be, it, would, it would be great. Uh, I had to rewind it, but I know no, we're not in there. But with uh, Dolph's things, we won't talk about it again. The, uh, I had to rewind it because when he said the Zig Man, I thought, I swear to God, I thought I heard him say the Z Man. And that would have, I would have... I would have woken the kids up laughing if he'd have said the Z-Man. In regards to a, a former St. Louis radio icon? No, in, in, in regards to Tom Zink, the oh, original okay. Z-Man. Okay. Yeah, I thought maybe you were talking about a uh, former... No, not that guy. No. He, he, no. Has, he, has, he had a store with eight mattresses, you know. I heard. Yeah. We found out it was his when, when a former co-host of mine decided to call the number on that commercial and, and got his phone directly. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, radio yeah. in St. Louis is good times. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy happened to call from his cell phone so it, uh, and didn't star 69 or whatever to it. So 
Yeah, that number that he got called back and asked why why you're calling me. It's terrific. It it really was. Being in the room at that time was, was really great. Uh, so by the so yeah, Ty Dillinger comes out and Baron Corbin jumps him. Baron Corbin is pissed that Ty Dillinger beat him to the uh, I guess to, to the U.S. Open Challenge. Ty Dillinger ends up fighting back. Fights off Baron Corbin, manages to still have a match with AJ Styles, and loses that match. It was, it was, you know, it was a fun little TV. That was a well-written, well-executed uh, segment. Yeah, and I, I like, I enjoy throwing temper tantrums, Baron Corbin. The thing that he did in the back when they, anytime they bring up that he does have his briefcase, and he gets, he is all hot and bothered about it. I love it. He just whines and cries, and it's terrific. He's really, really good at being a whiny big man. Yeah, he, he is. So that's what it's leading to. Hopefully we could do get a few weeks of people beating Baron Corbin out so he can bitch about it. That'd be, that would be really nice. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think that'd be fun. Or somebody beats him up and then runs out. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be tremendous. Every week. I like your idea. Let's we, have uh, a camera back there. Keep an eye on Baron Corbin. We talked about breaking the fourth wall, about talking about internet rumors uh, with the John Cena and Roman Reigns promo. I did like how Xavier Woods, <laughs> who got injured over the weekend at a house show, uh, just instead of addressing it or talking about why he's not wrestling or why he's limping or keeping him off TV for a week, <laughs> he wore a sign <laughs> around his neck that just said, it's sore. It's beautiful. <laughs> And got permission to do it. <laughs> I, they, they were very he, loose with the restrictions this week. How did he get permission to do that? I don't know. John Cena said fourth wall on television. Did, uh, which, I mean, CM Punk's done that before. So, But they did all this with permission. Nobody says anything without, without thinking that they're, with thinking that Vince isn't going to be cool with it. I just, I don't get how... You can get injured on a house show and decide to wear, like, who, who, who approves this and how, or I guess, how do they talk Vince into this? Because they're the New Day and they can get away with a lot because they're fun, they're goofy, people think they're funny. People don't necessarily take everything that they do seriously and they sell a lot of merch. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> so, that last one I think is the, uh, the there's your reason. <laughs> okay, let me start with that. They sell a lot there of merch. Go. That's it. That's, that's the reason. That's the reason you don't need to talk about them being fun or anything else that they do. They sell a lot of merch. Yes, they do. Yeah. Third most behind your uh, second main event for uh, No Mercy. Oh, you went and did research, eh? Yes, I did. And I sent you the link, too. Oh, I didn't see the link. Oh, Sorry. Yeah, yeah I sent Maybe you I just link. didn't click it. You probably sent it at a time I couldn't click it. Yeah, no, I, they, uh, yeah, they, they are the, uh, they are Roman Reigns, John Cena, are number two and number one respectively, and then uh, New Day is right there with them. I figured New Day was. I, I thought New Day might be two, because of the damn horns that you can't get because they sell them out in about an hour. I, I'm trying to think where exactly they were. I'm trying to. I, I'm trying to figure out where I sent that to you. If I where if I text. Well, if you text it to me, then I've got it. I've got it. I'll find it. Yeah. Um, if not, I'll I'll ask you to do it again, and then make you go do it. Make you go find it. So yeah, they. Uh, it takes us to Kevin Owens, who well, first off, 
I, I did like how Aiden English is in the ring doing his little singing thing, and Kevin Owens comes out <laughs> and says, with all due respect, nobody here paid to see you. <laughs> he was polite. He was very polite to Aiden English, and Aiden English, being a heel, gave the ring to Kevin Owens. That was smart That's, of him. And in the end, bad, guys. in the end, it paid off for Aiden English. But I did like I saw somebody on Twitter actually mention because Shane McMahon comes out, says Aiden English has a match against Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens is pissed. Kevin Owens goes to ringside to sit on commentary, makes fun of Byron Saxon. That's always funny. And then at one point gets in the ring because he's mad at the official rips off the official's shirt, puts it on himself, and officiates the match where he does a fast count to help Aiden English win. I actually saw somebody on Twitter mention before the match started that the referee's shirt looked a little puffy. Oh, did it? I didn't even pay attention. That way, it didn't look tight on Kevin Owens. It fit Kevin perfect. Yes. Uh, Kevin Owens is the most believable looking official that they have had in WWE in over 20 years. <laughs> That's what a referee is supposed to look like. Shot it Not points. some jacked up, muscle bound guy who goes to the gym and looks like he could wrestle because then he's got to pretend that somebody bopping him on the head lightly is something that affects him and knocks him out. If you hit Kevin, if you hit a guy who looks like Kevin Owens in a referee shirt, He's going to fall down for 10 minutes. That's believable. You watching any Ring of Honor lately there, John? I don't know the last time I watched Ring of Honor. I think I've watched on, it like twice. You might want to turn on Ring of Honor and see what official they're putting out there each and every week. Who do they got? He, he looks more believable than Kevin Owens. Let me put it that way. Good. But that's what a, it, it, they should look like that. It does bug me when you see jacked up guys who look like they could, they could work a match they now. They put the ring together. <laughs> they're supposed to be strong. No, you have to be believable. Okay, when you have to take a ref bump, you got a, a wrestler pushing a guy into the, okay, that guy, that official, who is huge, he's jacked up. And then there's the other guy, who the, the, the one other official who's, remember we used to know the officials' names? Because they'd say them. I have no idea who these guys are. We got one jacked up guy here. We got another jacked up guy here. But when you throw them into the, into the you know, have a, whatever ref bump there is, with these guys, you got to like suplex them out of the ring for it to be believable. You John, can't do bop a, a guy uh, into the turnbuckles, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, yeah, it's really believable that that 250 pound muscle bound guy was affected by that. John, I'm sending you a picture here of the uh, Ring of Honor official. Unless you, uh, unless you want to do a quick Google search of it, I'm not sure which no, would be okay. quicker. It's uh, is this coming on my phone or on my Twitter? Uh, where do you want it? It doesn't matter. Uh, so the referee's name for people that want to go look it up is Todd Sinclair. So if I just did a quick Google search of Todd Sinclair, R-O-H, to find the, uh, the picture of him and uh, the referee for Ring of Honor, which he might be the most out-of-shape official in the history of wrestling. I don't know. There's an indie channel on uh, my Roku you ought to go look at the officials on that. Also out of shape? Oh, it's all indies. So it's all it is, guys, you know, matches in front of six people. Oh. Yes. Yeah. 
Mom, take a. Uh, he looks there. There you go. He's a believable referee. That's what a referee should be. He should look like somebody who can't. Who, if he gets, who, who's going to be bullied by wrestlers, or if he gets hit, it's going to be a problem. They, Not somebody who looks like he could beat up the wrestler. So they're giving us they're they're giving us Brock and Braun at no mercy. They are giving us. Uh, they're giving us Cena and Roman at No Mercy. The next pay-per-view for SmackDown is... But is that going to be... I guess it'll fall. end up falling in... Is it going to fall in October? I guess I'm, I'm bringing up the, uh, the dates of it now of what the upcoming pay-per-view schedule is. October 8th, Hell in a Cell. Dang, SmackDown gets all the good ones. How? And that's their only pay-per-view between now and Survivor Series. Really? Yeah. How do we get to Shane versus Kevin Owens? Do they do it in Hell in the Cell? Or do we have to wait for Survivor Series somehow? Yes. Yes, that's where. Hell in the Cell. That's where you do it. In a hell in the cell? Yeah. I could see it. I mean, especially with... What the- you always do is with Survivor Series 2, you can always use those use your two main guys as teams, as team captains. Yeah. That would be the payoff from the hell in the cell matches that they, they also they put teams together. Yeah, so you get the teams together and you can extend. That's the beauty of the Survivor Series. They don't do, they don't take advantage of that anymore. That was one of the great things about it is you can use it as a as a bridge to keep something going that maybe needed a new look to extend it into another month or two. Yeah, and they don't do it anymore. They only it's like ah, we'll do one Survivor Series match because that's what it's called. Well, I they have. I mean, they still have. You know, it's it's August thirty first right now as we're talking. That pay per view is not till October eighth. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show last week or if it was just you and I talking. But I do think that Kevin Owens needs to jump Shane and put him out of work for a couple weeks to allow this to keep progressing. Yeah, just to give him some time off TV and it doesn't get stale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. another thing they don't take advantage of enough. It's, but again, that's the that's the perils of having to fill five, you know, two hours on one week, two to three hours a week. You right. got to have your guys around and the guys that people want to watch. Unfortunately, although it's easier with Shane to take him off. So there you go. That's your uh, that's your week in TV for this uh, these past few days. A look at Raw and SmackDown and uh, John. That is, uh, you know, it's, it was a lot of promos, a lot of breaking of the fourth wall, if you, uh, if you will, in, in these. Yeah, it was fun. It was an entertaining week. It was unlike, I don't know the last time or if we've ever had a week that was like that. I guess you could go promo-wise back to the punk pipe bomb, which we was 100% approved and written, uh, I would love to know. I, I sent you. I want an, I want one of the WWE 24s on just how that whole segment was put together. I'm fascinated by how 
the, from the concept to the pitching it to Vince's approval, and then the two of them with whomever it is they were working with and putting that segment together, what's okay and what's off limits and how far can we go? How far are we good to go here and on this and on this and on this? And that wasn't just, hey, let's go out and riff for 10 minutes. Yeah. There was a lot of thought to make. There was too much inside stuff for that not to be 100% approved before they went out there. By the way, there have been 11 pay-per-views so far in 2017. Five more are confirmed. And I can tell you that there is um, – so there's No Mercy on September 24th, Hell in the Cell on October 8th, TLC on October 22nd, Survivor Series November 19th, and then Clash of Champions on December 17th. So I, I don't know if they're going to add any more into that. I imagine tickets would have had to be on sale for that already. <clears throat> If that was the case, I've fallen into the wormhole on Wikipedia now on WWE pay-per-views. So this is probably going to keep me up way later than I should. Who do you think has appeared the most WWE pay-per-views of all time? Of all time? Of, all of time. ever? Yep. Um, Not pre-show or dark matches. Dustin Rhodes. He is not in the top ten. That actually surprises me. One of the guys in the top ten would surprise you. Well, Cena has to be in there. Cena is number four with 152 pay-per-view matches. Randy Orton's in there. Randy Orton is number six, tied with Chris Jericho. I had Jericho be in there. Uh... Oh, now this is going to bother me. And see so what stinks about this this list too. It's is anybody is anybody in that list that predates at least two thousand? Oh, the top three all predate two thousand. Really? Yes. For the majority of their career, one these of, are WWE only pay per views. One of WWE pay per views number one overall has done it as multiple characters. Well, I would hope a lot of these guys have done it as multiple characters. Mm-mm. Really? No. He is the only one on this top I don't know. List. Well, why don't you just rattle off the list? Number one. It's only WWE ones. Uh, God, I have no idea. I would have guessed that uh, Jericho, Cena, or Orton would have been number one. pay-per-views. Kane. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about Kane. That also means Big Show's on there, too. Big Show is number five on the list. It's Kane with 170, Undertaker with 166. Triple H. With 164, Cena 152, Big Show 142. Orton will uh, will tie most likely and probably pass Big Show by the end of this year. He's at 141. Number eight is Edge at 126. Number nine is Shawn Michaels at 115. Number 10, with 97 matches. And it surprises me, Christian. Huh. That's surprising for the amount of time he spent in TNA. Yeah, but he came in when they went to 12, 13 a year. And he was on top in tags. He was, I mean, he was on top from the time he walked in with, with the Brood. And they were, I mean, he's not on top of pay-per-views, but he's working is one of the most over gimmicks in the company and then gets in with edge and their tag run. And then he had his own run. That's true. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's why I said, going back to 2000, anybody who came in after about 98, 90, I guess after 99 probably, was part of that 12-a-year setup. So nobody, knew, none, none of the, nobody who was not in the Attitude Era was going to be on that list. Well, yeah, that's, uh, Cena and Orton are the only ones that their first pay-per-view matches were 2002. Everybody else on that list is before 2000. And the latest guy to debut on that list was Sean. 1988. Uh, Sean also was in the WWE. Well, he, from 88, he probably worked every pay-per-view, which would have been one. But 88 would have been one. And then two, three, four. So he's working for a year for a long time and then worked, what, every single pay-per-view except for the couple of years he took off? See, this is why I don't like getting on Wikipedia during the show. <laughs> and then he worked eight more years, which I didn't even realize until I listened to that podcast. He worked eight more years after he took the three years off. Oh, I, That's ridiculous. I texted this to you the other day that Shawn Michaels is the Kurt Warner of the WWE. Yeah, he just doesn't. He gets better every time he comes back. Yeah. Also, both super religious. <laughs> well, one grew into it more than the other. This is true. <laughs> One, one had quite the life before he became religious. One earned it, yeah. <laughs> one, 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 yeah one, one guy had, a, one had, lived had a two life. wonderful lives. Yeah. <laughs> That's God that they ever. Huh. So there you go. That's uh, that's this week. We, we did get a little sidetracked, I guess. But, oh, well, it was still a lot of fun. And uh, there, there you have it, John. Uh, I don't know if we will be back or not next week. Yeah, we'll find out. We sure That's will. all right. We sure will. So we yeah. appreciate And some. I'll tell you this. Here, if yeah. and you want to keep track of when we are going to pop back up, when it does happen, follow Joe on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, and you'll find out there. That's the best place that you can go. That's true. That's true. All right, man. John, it's uh, been another fun ride, and we will see if we'll be back on it again next week. Awesome, man. Thank you. That is John Marisek. I'm Joe Roderick. This has been the Going Overtime Wrestling Podcast right here on InsideSTL.com.